This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Now is the time to create your dream business, and Jim Palmer is the perfect business coach to help you get that done. Jim offers three different coaching programs, and as a member of his mastermind group, you'll also benefit from the advice, wisdom, and inspiration of other successful entrepreneurs. This is a group of action takers, so if you're tired of slow to no growth and are ready to finally grow your dream business, go to www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. Hey, friends, this is James Malinchak, featured on ABC's hit TV show, Secret Millionaire, and founder of BigMoneySpeaker.com, and you are listening to my good friend, Jim Palmer, on Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things in any business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach, and I'm committed, as always, to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm really excited about this week's show. My special guest is entrepreneur and author, Daryl Lyons. Let me tell you a little bit about Daryl, and we'll bring him right on. Daryl Lyons is the co-founder and CEO of Pax Financial Group, and he is from a family of entrepreneurs. He advises hundreds of small business owners and is a successful small business owner himself. In fact, New York Times best-selling author Dave Ramsey calls Daryl a rock star, and Dave Ramsey's awesome. As co-founder of Pax Financial Group in San Antonio, Daryl has led the organization to become one of the fastest-growing companies in San Antonio and one of the best places to work, according to the San Antonio Business Journal. The mayor has recognized Daryl for his involvement in developing uh, a part of the city by naming the pa- park after him, the Daryl W. Lyons Park, in his honor. That's quite very cool. Daryl resides in San Antonio. He's married to his wife, Carice, and they have four beautiful children. Daryl, that's pretty cool, man. you got a park named after you. That is high praise indeed. Yeah, I can't believe it even to this day. I uh, go down there and clean it from time to time, but it is my park, so I have to keep it clean. There you go. So you come from a family of entrepreneurs, and of course, uh, it is entrepreneurs who listen to this program. So how did you how did you get started in business? Was it your father, your grandfather? Like how far back does this uh, entrepreneurial heritage go? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it there's there's quite a bit of story there, but I will tell you that um, it's been uh, generations of trying and failing. In fact, I would there's one story, and uh, only three grandfathers ago that. Uh, didn't have the money to throw in the bucket to become a co-founder of Frito-Lay. <laughs> and, and and then you have stories of success. But what's happened, I guess, is there's something in the gene pool that just uh, tells people with the last name Lyons to uh, start something and try something. And so whether we fail or whether we succeed, it's, it's something in the water. You know, what's interesting is, and I think um, 
I just think our whole education system in general, it never talks about entrepreneurialism. It's always like you go to school, if you're lucky you go to college, then you get your resume and you get a job and you work for 50 years. I mean, it's all, they, I, I've never been part of a school that actually teaches there's an alternative way to make a living, but I, you know, and I'm guessing it was probably like that for you and your school system as well, but yet you had the whole entrepreneurial upbringing. So that, I mean, that's probably where it comes from. Well, one of the one of the events that happened in my life, Jim, that that really was a catalyst was when the SNL crisis occurred in the 80s. My father was a very successful entrepreneur, actually, excuse me, a successful executive. He was not an entrepreneur at this time. And he went to go work for um a big company, a corporation. And one morning he went to put his key in the door and the key didn't work, so he called building management and building management said um, it's corporate that had locked the doors, and so he called corporate, and corporate said, you're done. And I'd never seen my father cry before, but I'm, and I'm young at the time, but he was, he did cry, and he's a he's a Texan. You know, he has a cowboy hat, boots, and he likes a cold beer. And he was successful. He had uh, We had boats and cars and, and a nice house. And I'll never forget that it broke him, and ever since then, our family had struggled financially, and we ended up, bouncing around. I, I ended up graduating from a small town in Castroville in a single wide trailer. We had struggled financially. And so many times uh, I reflect on that moment and I would suggest to you that that moment inspired me to manufacture a belief system that I would never work for anyone again because I didn't want that to happen to my family. So I'm going to suggest that I started really with a passion of being an entrepreneur very young that I was never going to work for anybody again. So talk. So did you end up going to college, or, or well, obviously you did. You got the whole financial um, education. What happened after you got out of school? Well, it was always there to start a business. Uh, I did get a degree in accounting and another one in finance. I understood I needed to have a trade. To they, there was entrepreneur classes and that were taught at the university I was at, and uh, I thought it would be very difficult just to study entrepreneurship without having a trade, something to offer. And I wanted to learn the trade and and something that was an affinity of mine. So I was looking for an intersection of uh, the where the skill sets uh, resided in me uh, along with the need in the community. And I found that in accounting and finance. And so I started to explore that more. And so I became good at that. I, I worked for a Fortune 100 company after college and really started applying those skills in practice and in continued education post-undergraduate. But there was always an inner desire when I got to a point where I felt I could leave the wings of um, the Fortune 100 company to start my business. I was I was anxious to do that, and so I did that about seven years ago. And that is um, what I mentioned. That was is uh, the PAX Financial? Yeah, that's PAX Financial Group. And so it wasn't always easy. Uh, it, it, it's... Uh, this, there's so many stories of failure along the way, and in fact, even the the plunge, initial plunge, leaving the company to start my business, the initial plunge was very scary. My wife stayed home that year to be with our newborn, and I quit my job, which I was getting a great paycheck, and it was clearly a blind jump. Uh, the math didn't make any sense. It was pure faith, uh, but I started, and that particular year was one of the most challenging years of my life financially. But I had burned the bridges. I had decided I was going to be an entrepreneur, and nothing was going to stop it. So 
with that attitude, I persevered, and today it's it's been worth it. You know, um, as a financial guy, you're going to like this term. When I started my business 14 years ago, my entire first year was revenue free, <laughs> which yeah. means it took me it took me a full year to get my first client. But you know, I, I was all in it to win. I was in it to win. Also, pushed all the chips in the center and kept going. Um, so talk talk about the early years. You know, I know you you you've had a lot of recognition. Forty under forty rising stars. As I said, you had a park named after you and things like that. What was what was the? I always talk about the lean years. What did the lean years look like for you, Dara? Was it a, a year or two? Was it five years? I mean, when did you really start getting momentum and, and, and inertia? It was probably it took about five years, and, and those statistics are pretty true. Um, with uh, I know the National Federation of Independent Business Owners, along with Barna, they do some great research on business owners and their uh, life cycles. And the five year, uh, you know, most businesses go under in five years. I mean, that just rings true. And so I always was stretching for that five years. And it, it was interesting after the five years, some some marginal breakthroughs started to happen. The challenge in the first year specifically was uh, getting clients, as you know. Uh, I had not put myself in a good financial position. I remember. Uh, you know, it's just it's just difficult because you are a financial person, but at that time I wasn't necessarily I didn't have my act together, and so I had credit cards. I didn't know really much about Dave Ramsey at the time, so we ended up going into credit card debt to survive. And then so that I wouldn't recommend that for anybody because it put pressure on us, and we would have probably controlled our spending better. But I had. Um, so the first year was, you know, getting in debt, and then the next two or three years was just getting out of it, which just prolongs the pain. And so not something I advise today. I remember in the first year, completely broke. I go to my office at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to work my way out of this mess. And I put the key in the door to the office, and it didn't work. And this is a true story. And I, uh, I think, oh, man, I'm my dad again. I know. And I just thought of that story. I just and this is exactly right, and I and I go, oh my gosh! So I, I get in my car, and we only had one car at the time because we had to sell my BMW. Um, I was again living high on the hog, and so we had one car. And I said, God, I'm trying to do everything right here. I'm I'm literally crying at this time because it's overwhelming. It's a burden, and uh, and I just sat in the car and just listened. And and, and the scripture came to me, be still and know. So I I sat there and listened to God, and I don't remember exactly like an audible guy talking to me, but I remember him saying. Um, it's kind of funny that when I think about it now, put your money where your mouth is. And what I what I mean by that is it wasn't it was more of an imprint or in my conscious. But what it meant to me was um, I trusted God, but not with my wallet. I would give to Him con- when it was convenient. And at that moment, when I was completely broke, I made a firm commitment that regardless of the outcome of life, I was going to give the first fruits of whatever I made. I made that commitment then, and I will tell you, it hasn't stopped today, and it has made an impact on the way I respond to money. And um, although money didn't just come smoothly right after that, I felt the fear suppress a little bit because I traded that fear uh, for trust, and, and, and I think that helped a lot in my career. That's amazing. So many things I want to um, ask you, but uh, you just opened up a whole bunch of things. You know, um, so you know, my audience knows I'm a man of faith also, and uh, that happens to be one of my favorite scriptures also, be still and know that I'm God. When I was in my, um, I actually call it a season of crises, you know, what I went to before I started the business, and then that whole first year where I struggled so much, you know, I, I kept thinking, 
you know, what was being said to me as I would pray about it and things like that is, what makes you think this is going to be easy? That was one message I kept hearing and feeling over and over again. And the other thing was, are, are you in this to win or not? Because if you want to be all all that in a bag of chips, if you want to be successful, man, you know, don't give up. Don't be a quitter. And that, so even though, you know, I went through month seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, I did get in, my, in the twelfth month, I got my first client, but I'm like, what if I had given up after eleven months and said, okay, this clearly is the wrong path, and then all of a sudden, you know, all the seeds that I've been planting for eleven months started to uh, come to harvest. So, you know, it's and not everybody, you know, is, has faith, but I, I found it very helpful in, in my business, especially in the hard times. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion today, and and the reason I've gained this opinion is because my family is entrepreneurs, and I've I've advised and counseled, just like you, Jim, thousands of entrepreneurs over the years, and and some very deep seated, um, uh, intimate conversations about their money between husband and wife, and so. As I look for a commonality, kind of a silver bullet with uh, money and business, I realized that there was none. First of all, I did search for it. Uh, you know, whether I was looking at financial statements or 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 books, you know, I could read Jim Collins stuff. Nobody can out research Jim Collins, but I uh, uh, I couldn't find a silver bullet until <clears throat> excuse me, I realized that um, uh, this was my reality of entrepreneurship that apart from him you could do nothing and so I realized that faith and business had to intersect and that's why I ended up writing a book about it. And the book you wrote is called uh Small Um Small Business Big Pressure. Tell us a little bit about that, Daryl. Yeah, so that's that's exactly what I love talking about, even though I'm in the finance business and I can talk about all the uh financial planning stuff in the world. Um I've really just started to have a passion for entrepreneurs and seeing a uh, a light bulb of relief come off um, to a degree when they recognize how important and critical it is to integrate their faith into their daily work, not just on Sundays, but into every moment. And so what I, the way I articulate that is, is I'm looking for an entrepreneur to have moment-by-moment dependence upon God in everything that they do. Otherwise, the alternative is they live in fear and anxiety and worry and confusion. And so uh, I just I got tired of seeing entrepreneurs being confused and worried all the time, and so the solution that I found was was to have moment by moment dependence. And so the book is it is it um, is it a spiritual book? Is it a business book or a combination? Yeah. How would you how would you describe it? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question indirectly first. The the way I wrote the book was uh, those accolades that you mentioned in the beginning started to get I started to get phone calls from entrepreneurs in San Antonio and across the country. And so they were asking a lot of the same questions. So I thought I'd teach a class. So I taught classes to the community, and they'd fill up. And um, now I looked at the content and the research and the work I was doing on the class, and I go, man, I've got a, I've got a book here. And the, the, the classes were um, how to properly read your financial statements to make better business decisions, how to create a mission and vision, how to create a company culture, how to hire. They were very practical uh, solutions to people's everyday problems as an entrepreneur's. And entrepreneurs needed peer-to-peer leadership. They were they were getting uh, blogs, which are opinions, and, and the Internet, which is information. But they needed somebody in the trenches to give them peer-to-peer leadership. So that's what the classes were all about. But the content, the content was deep. So I just started writing. And when I wrote the book, I gave it to my business partner, and he said, said, Daryl, you sprinkle God in here, but this is this is not who you are. And that uh, that hit home for me. So 
I said, you know, I really need to articulate my faith throughout this book and how I really integrate it into my business. So it started out as just a practical um, peer-to-peer leadership. This is how you run a business and, and do it the right way. And that's all it was. And then I um, I wove in there my stories of life and how God has changed my life uh, throughout the book. That's awesome. Um, so I know that uh, you've worked with hundreds of small business owners. What are, and you know, you counsel them on financial matters and otherwise. What are maybe the top two or three uh, mistakes or challenges that you see they're facing right now? Yeah, I think I think one of them is is just. Um, getting a handle on their vision. Um, and like you had mentioned earlier, Jim, you know, they they may have an idea. This is just kind of a good idea. I'm interested, but I'm curious, but not serious. I often say that. Are you curious or serious? And many times they're curious. Uh, they're disturbed a little bit about where they're at. And they want to be somewhere else. Maybe they're just, um, maybe they're just uh, intrigued in, in by, by the idea of being an entrepreneur. But they're not all in like you and I were, Jim. And and I think that they need to sit down and create a vision of where they want to be and with tenacity execute the vision. Life's too short not to do it with greatness. And so I'd like to see more entrepreneurs sit down and, and really clearly think through their vision and mission. Uh, hire somebody like you that can coach them through that stuff and then walk them through the early stages. Um, and and I think that's one key point. It's, it's kind of a cloudy vision. The other one is just getting a handle on their finances um, how to understand cash flows. Many times when they start making money, they fail to pay their taxes. So setting up an account with the electronic funds transfer payment system that's online with the IRS, that's a that's a nice tool. But, but there's many other just practical financial uh, stewardship things that should be done for an entrepreneur. And when money starts coming in, I think that's one. And then the last one is just, is just building the right team around them, um, making sure that they hire people that fit the culture and the vision. How does faith play a role in your daily life at work? I mean, is it is would you call yourself a, a Christian business, or are you, as you know, one of the owners, um, just the people know who you are? You know, is it like a Chick Fil A type culture, or where, or you know, there's a lot of other uh, Hobby Lobby types, you know, where they're very open about it, or is it just who you are? <laughs> Probably a clumsy question, but do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and it's it's one that I actually get a lot as well. Uh, one question I'll get is, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Should I put that on my business card? You won't see that on my business cards. You won't see. Um, I don't have a fish on my car. I don't. Uh, we don't call ourselves a Christian company, um, and so we, you know, people probably associate us as being a Christian company because of the people that are here. Uh, we pray around here. That's just one of the things that we do. Uh, the culture is an extension of who I am, and and that's one of the most beautiful things about being an entrepreneur is saying this is who I am, and I want to disseminate who I am to the employees and to my customers and to um, the children that have dinner with the people that I touch. And so if you think about it, for example, I'll teach – uh, my employees uh, how to be a better leader and there's some basic principles in proverbs that talk about being a great leader and so when i articulate those things to my employees they get and take that to their kids the kitchen table and so that's just man that gives me goosebumps my goosebumps to be able to do those kind of things but usually my my moment by moment dependence is really um is is best articulated when um, stress comes and I just take a moment and pray. Or I had an employee the other day that lost a family member and he was really beaten up, a young guy, and um, it was potential suicide. And 
just to bring him in and, and, and listen to him. But not just listen to him. I said, man, can I just pray for you? And we just prayed. And, um, you know, the tears start coming in prayer. I don't know how that works, but God's got that thing rigged in a healthy way. And and not that I'm trying to manipulate anything, man. I just want to give him some love in this in this tough time. And that's the type of culture I want to create. You know, uh, it's funny what you say about, you know, since you're an entrepreneur and you own the business, nobody's going to call you down the hall and say, get in here and start doing it a different way. It's kind of cool. But um, I, I learned that pretty late. I don't know. I started speaking in 2009 in a big way. And probably in uh, 2011, uh, I was invited to give a speech to a pretty good-sized crowd in California. And, you know, I, I share very openly about what I call my big drivers of success and one of them, which admittedly I learned later in life, Daryl, is about the power of tithing. And um, I described that, and I said, listen, whether you believe in God and want to use the word tithing or universe, spirit, vibrations, whatever, I'm telling you there's a universal law that says when you give and serve others, you will get back. And um, so I actually described how I started and how I kept growing and growing and growing. And then a mentor of mine who also happens to be a Christian said, Jim, you can't outgive God. Because I kept figuring, well, how much do I just keep going? He goes, you can't outgive God. I actually talked about this. I tested for a couple of years where I was I was actually started giving above 10%. And sure enough, my business kept growing and growing and growing. So, I mean, nobody will ever convince me that a lot of the growth and success that I've been blessed with is not directly proportional to how much we give you know, in our, in our personal lives. And, and that's even during what I, I would assume you'd agree, probably some of the most crappiest years uh, for small business owners in, in recent history. Yeah, uh, and, and, and you make such a good point. The, the very practical uh, nature of giving is one in which um, you start to uh, support with your wallet, which is something we hold on to tightly, those that are hurting or hungry, and as a result of doing that intentionally, uh, you have perspective of how good your life is. And so um, it's a very it's it's a very universal thing. That's uh, again, I think God's got it, got this this whole thing wired that way. But when you do give, even if it's in a secular basis outside of the Christian culture, there's something about appreciating and and having contentment for 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 life in the richest country in the history of the world. Um, and so I hate to see that we're we're so rich but yet so um, stressed out. It's kind of a, an odd thing. And I think giving is one of the unique antidotes to that. In the original Greek te- uh, text, anti doesn't mean against. It means in replace of. And so we have to replace our fear as an entrepreneur with something else. And I think giving is a, is a tool of choice. How, how did you get to know Dave Ramsey? Yeah, so Dave Ramsey, uh, I actually saw him last week. I was up at Nashville. He had brought me and about 15 other advisors up there to to just powwow. But we had um, built a relationship about eight and nine years ago. Um, one of uh, a friend of mine introduced us, and and really, it's not as to the point where I can call Dave up and say, "Hey, Dave, you want to go hang out?" It's not that close of a relationship, but it is a mutual one where if you call Dave and said, "Dave, how?" Uh, I like Daryl Lyons. Uh, he would know my name, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's it's not it's not really intimate. I don't want to make that uh, um, seem like that's the case. But I met him a long time ago, and uh, his value systems aligned with mine. Um, his philosophy of, of of working with people's money is aligned, um, and so he set up a, an endorsement system around the country. And, and y'all have heard of these ELPs that he does. 
um, endorsed, and, and I was one of the early ones there, and, and have been endorsed by him ever since. And so when I wrote the book, I called up his office, and I've never asked him for anything ever. And I said, Dave, will you endorse my book? He read it and said, Yeah, sure. And he put a nice endorsement on the cover. That's awesome. So one of the chapters in your book, Daryl, is called Dollars on the Brain. Give me a brief synopsis of what why you named it that. Yeah, I just think that what what we have to recognize is there's some parts of the brain that you know we're uh, wired. Uh, everyone's wired uniquely. Uh, where we'll have one side of the brain, the left side of the brain, typically will be more analytical, and our right side of the brain will be more uh, creative. And so we uh, we need to take a moment and just recognize that if we're if we if we're certain if we're wired a certain way then we're not going to embrace this financial stuff very well. So I just want to recognize that, hey, you might not like this financial stuff. And so I mentioned that at the very beginning of the of that chapter. But you've got to push through it. There's no excuses if you're an entrepreneur. There's no excuses to say – you can't say, I'm not wired this way. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's it, this is you have to do finances. There's no work around it. So I just recognize that um, our brains are uniquely wired. Some people get it quickly and some people don't. It's not a right or wrong, but we just have to push through the finances and not be ignorant to it. Yeah, that's, that's, the numbers are not my favorite thing, but very necessary part. Uh, last question, Dave. Or I'm sorry, Daryl. I Dave in the brain. Um, one of your chapters called influence. What? 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 How do you mean influence? So we're all influenced by the people that we spend time with, and I. Uh, this is, I guess, is kind of bragging the other day. But I told my wife, I said, I told her about who I was hanging out with this last week, and I said, I told my wife, I said, I can't believe I'm spending time with these people. They're amazing people. They have a vision of what the future looks like. Um, they're working hard. They care about their families. I love being around these people, and it energizes me and it gives me ideas. That hasn't always been the case. I used to hang around with people that um, we would drink too much beer together or we would um, stay out late together and, and family was a priority, but our actions spoke something differently. And so I think what happens is we got to take an inventory of who's influencing our behavior. And I hate to say it, but there's a chapter in life where you just move on. And that's very healthy, not just for you individually as a person, but um, for your family and your future. And so I've I've slowly moved on, and, and I've very respectfully moved on from those old relationships into new relationships with people that are looking at the future slightly differently, and, and I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Well, it's been a real privilege and uh, honor to have you on my program. I'd love to uh, stay in touch with you, get to know you better. How can how can the folks that listen to Stick Like Lou Radio uh, learn more about you and, and get a copy of your book? You can get the book on Amazon, um, smallbusinessbigpressure.com is the website. Um, I'm, I actually got picked up by a New York publisher, so there might be some downtime on Amazon just as we make that transition, but um, just keep checking on Amazon. It'll be there. Awesome. Daryl, thank you so much, man. It's been great connecting with you. I appreciate it. It's fun. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with entrepreneur and the author of Small Business Big Pressure, Daryl Lyons. Stick Like Glue Radio is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach, and as always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. So watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever 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 give up now go out there and do something nice for somebody today take care everybody 
You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.